Friends, grace and peace to you in Jesus' name. Amen. So, several months ago, I was attempting what I thought was going to be a fairly simple repair in one of our bathrooms in our house. Now, those of you who know me know that I have incredible skills and am very handy when it comes to all things house upkeeping, right? And those of you who don't know me should know that that was a joke, right? But it seemed like it was going to be fairly straightforward. So there I was with some pliers, and I was kind of wrenching, and then I heard a crack, and then from behind the wall I heard a whoosh, neither of which I thought were good noises. And so over the next few months, we gathered some estimates and bids for a bathroom remodel, which, as you well know, is really inexpensive, right? So we're looking at the numbers, and we're trying to figure out how we can do this, and we decided that some of the pieces of this project we would be able to do ourselves with lots of help from family and friends. And one of those pieces was demolition. That I can do, right? You know, it's not rocket science. It can actually be a little bit fun at times. But, you know, you might get some scratches and scrapes. You might breathe in a little too much dust or even some mold. You might, you know, strain a few muscles that you're not used to using in that way. But in general, demolition is something I can do. So I got together, you know, a lot of tools and some safety equi- equipment, although my wife would tell you not nearly enough, and I started hammering away. And it was dirty, and it was messy, and it was a little bit painful, but it was fairly quick going, and then we were stripped down to studs. And thus began the, quick, the very long slog of attempting to rebuild. And I discovered again as I have discovered many times over this journey of homeownership, that it is so much easier to destroy things than it is to build them. So Jesus and the disciples are on their way to Jerusalem. And Jesus knows full well what is waiting for him when he gets there. It is the cross. And nevertheless, at the beginning of our reading tonight, he sets his face toward Jerusalem, turns to the cross, and never, for the sake of all of humanity, never looks back. Well, on their way, they happen to pass through a Samaritan village, and there's lots of interesting historical stuff that we could talk about when it comes to the Samaritans, but suffice it to say, they had many good reasons to not be super excited to have a bunch of Jews traipsing through their village on their way to Jerusalem, and so they did not welcome them. And then the disciples, like a couple of eighth grade boys who just got a brand new toy or a really violent video game, turn to Jesus and say, hey, what do you think? Should we just bring down fire from heaven and burn them off the face of the earth? We just got this heavenly flamethrower. Wouldn't it be great to use it? And Jesus turns to rebuke them. And Jesus is always rebuking the disciples throughout the Gospels because the disciples, like we, struggle so heartily to know what it is to really follow Christ. But there are a couple of details here that I I think are important for us to hold on to. 
The first is that at the beginning of chapter 9, where we find ourselves tonight, just, just a few verses before, Jesus gives to the disciples, and we heard this this last Sunday, gives to the disciples authority and power, some of his own share of divine power, to cast out demons and to cure diseases. Pretty cool stuff. And in the beginning, it was kind of working. But then something happened. We're not sure what. And right before this story that we open with tonight, there was a father whose son was desperately ill, plagued by a vicious, vicious demon that would throw him to the ground, and his father was desperate for him to be healed and came to the disciples and begged for them to cast it out, but they couldn't do it. And so Jesus did. So think about this for a moment. They are apparently able and really, really willing to call down hellfire from the heavens to wipe a whole city of hapless Samaritans off the face of the earth, but they can't cast out one demon plaguing and destroying the life of a man's only son. Because it is so much easier to destroy than it is to heal. And I believe this is something you may know quite well. It is so much easier to just throw up your hands than it is to do the long, hard work of reconciliation, rebuilding relationships, Seeking and giving forgiveness. It is so much easier to, to just write each other off. To, to cut someone out because we disagree with them. And to fall back into our entrenched ideologies than it is to work together for the common good. It's so much easier to just call that person an enemy rather than truly listen and understand. It's so much easier to go quick to war than the long, hard work of making peace. It's so much easier to just tear it up than it is to figure out how to live into it. And to be sure, there are times, as the writer of Ecclesiastes says, there's a time to tear down and a time to build up. There are times to let go. But indeed, it is so much easier to tear down than it is to build up. But thanks be to God, Jesus is in it for the long haul. Jesus knows full well how hard it is to seek true and lasting peace, true, deep, lasting hope, reconciliation, and real, abundant life. He knows that this is a long journey that takes extraordinary effort. And he has set his face to the cross and absolutely will not turn away. He has his hands on the plow and is committed to the deep and difficult and long, hard work 
of digging the trench, burying it in the soil, and praying and hoping and longing and working for new life to spring forth. And that makes all the difference. Because there's another detail, as I said. And that is that these are Samaritans. Now, this is not the only time we'll hear about Samaritans in the Gospel of Luke. Samaritans are the sort of enemy, close, weird, distant neighbors. It's kind of an awkward story, but they're always dancing on the edge of what God is doing in Christ. Sometimes used as a foil for the faithlessness of those who should be faithful. Often as examples of what it might look like to truly follow. When those who are committed to following forget how. Nevertheless, they remain on the edge of the story, and yet they are still there. And on the other side of Jerusalem, on the other side of the cross, on the other side of that which we are headed toward in this season of Lent, we'll meet the Samaritans again in the book of Acts, which is the second book written by the same person who wrote the Gospel of Luke. And when we meet the Samaritans as a group then in the book of Acts, they will be among the first on whom God pours out the Holy Spirit among the first whom God claims into the body of Christ through baptism, among the first who receive that gift of being a part of the beloved community. And I have to believe Luke had this in mind. Because what a painful irony it reveals to us that when the disciples wanted nothing more than to rain down the hellfires of judgment, God was longing to rain down the fire of the Holy Spirit. The spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of peace, joy, hope in the life and love of the Lord. It is that spirit that is given to each and every one of us in the waters of baptism. When you were baptized... Whoever it was that baptized you, held you, or stood next to you, and after pouring the water over your head, or dunking you deep in the river, she or he traced a sign on your forehead, often, as we do here, with the fragrant oil of the royal priesthood, and spoke these words, Carol, child of God, you have been sealed by the Holy Spirit and marked with the cross of Christ forever. Tonight we will trace that self-same sign of the cross. We will trace it in the residue of that which is left over when all our wanton destruction has wreaked its havoc. We will be reminded that we are breaking and breakable and broken people. That we are dust. We are what is left over when we who are so given to destruction have our say. And yet, we trace that sign in the very same place where it was traced when you were baptized. 
for beneath and beyond all of our brokenness, we remain, by God's grace and the gift of that cross, we remain baptized and beloved forever. And thanks be to God for that. Amen.